you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Can you pull up them a bit longer for me? Yeah. Thanks. This one. I'm going to put it higher. Yeah, let me see. A bit high, a bit high. My eyes are not very good. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Uh, good morning, church. And praise the Lord that we can be here this morning to listen to His words and be encouraged. I have to say this morning, I'm a little bit anxious because I felt myself I'm back to... Uh, Rigley College because I got my lecturer sitting here uh, and he's an Old Testament expert and I'm preaching from an Old Testament text and uh, but I hope I have improved since 30 years ago <laughs> okay as far as we know Psalm 90 is the only Psalm written by Moses and so it predates most of the Psalms by many centuries and it, it means it was written a long, long time ago. In fact, the first part of these Psalms give us the feeling that our lives are ever so brief and fragile. I'll just read verse 10. It says, Our lives last 70 years, or if you are strong, 80, even the best of them are struggles and sorrows. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. I'm not sure how you would react to this verse. Well, I guess people sitting over this side, you might feel that oh, 70 years is very far away. And people, some of the people sitting over this side may feel a little bit anxious or might pay a bit more attention to this verse. The question is, is there hope for us? Now today we're going to look at this psalm under four headings. God is eternal, human is finite, the consequence of sins, the mercies of God. Moses begins the psalm talking to God about what God is like. He said in verse 1, 
Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. As we know, throughout the biblical history, God has been the dwelling place for the Israelites. But the key point Moses perhaps wanted to make here is not so much a dwelling place, but the generation bit. God is a dwelling place for his people, not for one or two or three generations, but for every generation. And this eternal nature of God is made clearer in verse 2. It says, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God existed before even the earth was formed. He is everlasting. Now, why would Moses want to highlight the eternal nature of God in these two verses? I think he wants to contrast God's eternal nature against the mortality of humans. Because in verse 3, it says, you return man to dust. And this verse means that man will return to the soil from which he was taken. Human life is indeed finite. In verses 4 to 6, Moses proceeds to unpack the point further, and which is to contrast the finite nature of man to the eternal nature of God. And how brief or finite is our life on earth in God's eyes? Verse 4 says, For in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. Second Peter 3.8 says the same thing. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. What's the point of this verse? Moses is saying that even if we were to live a thousand years, they would be just like a few hours in God's sight. And the fact is we don't even live near that. Recently, it was reported there's this woman, her name is Maria Morera, now living in Spain. She becomes the oldest person living on earth, as far as the record shows. She is 115, almost catching up with Moses. It is a big number. It is, in today's term. But even if she continues to live for another 10, 20 years, which is what the paper says, the way that she lives, it will be far short of the thousand years mentioned here. Our life shifted, passed away, and God still remains. And there's this accountant who was amazed when he first time read about this verse, verse 4. And he was so excited, I asked God, Lord, is it true that a thousand years for us is like a minute to you? And the Lord said, yeah, it's close enough. And then being an accountant, he said, how about $10 million to us? Must be like a cent to you. The Lord said, yeah, you can say that. Then the accountant said, can you spare me that one cent? And the Lord said, yeah, just wait there for a minute. Yes, verse 5 and 6 drive this point home. There are lives on this earth are not only so brief, but also fragile. How do you describe us? We are like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning, it sprouts and grows, and in the evening, it withers and dries up. 
In fact, there are many, many, many other Bible verses which describe the brevity of human life. James 4.14, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 1 Peter 24, all flesh are like grass. Again, they talk about us like flowers. It, it grows in the morning and withers at night. Job 9.25, my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. Even for a non-runner like me, I find time passes so quickly. I feel it was not that long ago when I came to Melbourne to study. It was in 1972. The question is why? Why is our life so brief, so finite? And that brings us to the third point. I've already covered one and point one and two anyway. The third point is consequence of sin. Verse 7 to 11 provide the uncomfortable answer to that question. Why are humans finite? We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your wrath. Verse 8 says, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All human sins, including those Hidden, secret ones cannot escape God's judgment. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a mourn. And that's the reason why our lives only last 70 years. If strong, 80. When Moses wrote this verse in Psalm 90, he must be very aware of the just judgment that God made on Adam and Eve for the sin they committed in the Garden of Eden. And Moses himself wrote in Genesis 3.16, and he said, The Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever, because they are so corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. Human mortality is the result of God's just judgment in consequence of human sins. Romans 5.12 say the same thing. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, the death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sin. And the result is all sinners will be consumed by God's anger, resulting not in our physical death, but in deserving the eternal flames of hell for those who are separated from God. But the sad thing is that people today generally do not understand or even believe God is angry with their sin. In verse 11, Moses lamented. He said, who understands the power of your anger? Who can understand this connection between God's judgment on sin and human mortality? And people generally don't think death is a consequence of sin and God's judgment. Most people think people die because the body breaks down. The doctor will tell you, you die because your heart stopped or your kidney failed or something like that. It would be interesting to ask this question to our non-Christian friends. Why would a person die? And see what answer they will give you. I'll be surprised if they were to relate the death of a person with God's judgment on sin. Yet that is exactly what is happening. So if Psalm 90 ends here at verse 11, 
then our lives on earth is without hope. We labor and toil. We work day and night, night and day. We live for, well, most of us looks like we're going to live to 60, 70 or more. And then what happened? We return to dust. It can be quite depressing at times, especially people like me who are a lot closer to 70, to think about these things. Praise the Lord, Psalm 90 doesn't stop here. It went further. And verse 12 is a turning point of this psalm. It's pointing to the everlasting joy and hope we can have. The hopelessness of life leads Moses to plead with God for wisdom. Moses pleaded to God and he said in verse 12, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. But where does this wisdom lie when we are taught to number our days? The answer is in 14b, that we may sing for joy and be glad all days. Now it seems that verse 12 is in kind of in a contradictory thing to contradiction to verse 14. To number our days and to be glad all days. How is it possible? Are the Israelites, if the Israelites were under God's wrath for their sin, to number their days in their remaining days will not be a joyful thing. Then how is it possible to be able to number our remaining days, and at the same time, to be glad all days. It can only be possible if God did something for Moses and his people, that God, out of his steadfast love and his mercy, he reverses his wrath on them and enables them to live with joy, the everlasting joy in their remaining days. Until God reverses his wrath on them, they will not be singing with joy all their days. Recently, I read in news about this Australian woman, Kathleen Foby. She was convicted in 2003 and sentenced to a 30-year jail term. But she was later pardoned by the judge after 20 years in jail. After she knew about the pardon, now, I'm just guessing. I think I'll be surprised if she did not sing with joy or at least be very happy as she was counting down to the hour that she'll be released. Now, what would Moses do now to make them be glad all days? He prayed to God for mercy in verse 13 to 17. Verse 13, Moses pleaded to God. He said, Lord, how long? How long would you be angry with our sins? Turn and have compassion on your servants. Moses was pleading to God for forgiveness so that God will reverse his judgment on them. Do something, God. Don't leave us in this situation. Save us. Have mercy on us. He pleaded, satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us. 
for as many years as you have seen adversity. Verse 16 says, May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to your children. We can see from these verses that Moses prayed to God to save them. And until God showed his mercy and compassion and love and to reverse his judgment on his people, they will not be able to rejoice and be glad all their days because they remain in God's wrath. Now, well, how can we be comforted by this psalm? Especially those who are moving into 60s or 70s. I believe we need to look at this passage through the lens of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first point is, Moses said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Today we ask, this is still true. Jesus is our dwelling place. Jesus promised us in John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. That's the promise from Jesus. The second point is we must number our days and be glad all the days. And this is only possible when we no longer be consumed by God's anger. We no longer be terrified by God's wrath. That is in verse 7. And how does this work then? You see, when Moses said to God in verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in light of your presence, the good news for us today is God has set our sin and our iniquities not before him, but upon Christ. And because of that, God's wrath was not on us, but upon Christ. Jesus bore our sin. Jesus received God's punishment on the cross on our behalf so that for those who believe in him will have everlasting life. God has shown his steadfast love to us by sending his son to die for our sin so that we have life. That's why it is possible for us to count and be glad all our days when we come even to 80 years old. Because we have already been assured of our salvation. And with this assurance, we should not be counting our days or remaining days with anxiety and fear. Thanks to God for His mercy that we all have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. The last point is that we need to live a life that counts in the eyes of the Lord. Not only we need to learn how to count our days and be glad all days, but we need to, to make them count in the eyes of the Lord. I remember some years ago, I, I watched a movie called The Bucket List. Now, the film, the film is about two terminal ill patients acted by Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. They are my favorite actors. Of course, they can't beat Donnie Yang. The doctors told them they have about six months to leave. So without wasting any time, they came together and draw up a, a bucket list comprising all the things they haven't done in their life before. 
they include, uh, I think they include skydiving, um, visit the pyramid, the Taj Mahal, and so on, so on, so on. The list goes on. Whilst doing these things fulfill their purpose in life, and I'm sure it is fun too. But I think when Moses prayed to God to teach him to, to have the wisdom to number his days, he's not asking God to give him the wisdom to draw up that kind of bucket list which will give him uh, joy and satisfaction. Let us now look at how Moses prayed in verse 17. He said, let the favour of the Lord our God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. And he said it again, establish the work of, the work of our hands. It means he prayed to God to rescue them. To rescue them for what purpose? To rescue them to, so that to establish for them the work of their hands. Now, what work? One may ask. Verse 16 tells us that God's people are God's servant. So the work must be the work that matters to God. In the same way, Jesus saved us for a purpose. That is to use our time and energy to do those things that matter to Jesus. I can think of an example. It's a bit like uh, the, role, the role of a servant. The role of a servant is to do things matter to the master. Say you are a public servant. I'm sure one of us will be or is. You, you work for government. You are a government servant. And when you go to work, surely you will do something which matters to the government the one who employ you. You won't be spending all the time doing things that matter to you, like going shopping. In the same way, if we say we are Christ's servants, and we are, so we should do things that matter to Christ and not do all the things all day that matters to us. So we should be praying for wisdom to be able to do work that matters to Christ. Now, I want to end today's sermon by quoting Apostle Paul, say in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And this is what Paul said, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In fact, it does not mean that we have to do something grand, like go and plant a church. No, well, if God willing, you can go and plant a church, we do that. But not everyone can go around and planting church, but could be just a simple ministry in our church, like participating in gospel work, you know, sharing gospel with someone, comforting someone, encourage someone, and to live a life pleasing to God. I quote Titus 3, verse 1 and 3, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready to do every good work, to slander, no one, I almost say, how oh, well, we can ask you to slander someone? No, it's a slander, no one. To avoid fighting and to be kind, showing gentleness to all people. Now, these are all the work that we can do that matters to Christ. The key is to be faithful in serving the Lord to the end. In fact, we attended a church in New Zealand. It's a very small church in Pai here. There's only tourists goes there, but it's a, very, it's a Baptist church. Um, 
the average age of the praise and worship team is at least 70. I was dividing the four and counting the eight and divide by four. The pianist must be over 80. But the point I'm trying to make here is that they are laboring for the Lord faithfully well into their old age. So since we have all been saved by grace through faith, we need to learn to number our days, not with fear, but with gladness all the days and be faithfully serving Him always. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for making yourself known to us and showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. Thank you for teaching us and encouraging us through your words. Teach us to number our days. Please fill us with the joy all the days because we know that nothing will separate us from your love, not even death. Oh Lord, help us. Help us to make our days count on this earth as we labor for you. As we know our labor for you is not in vain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.